0: Good morning, everybody. My name is Kirk Chrisman. I'm on the preaching team, if you don't know me. And God is so awesome. He is, I don't know if y'all noticed, but like the whole flow today is continuous. Even the announcements and the offering, everything, there's a flow of what God's doing. And I just want to say what he wants to say today. I'm I'm a little bit overwhelmed because I see so much that I know that he could say and that uh, I want to help share. But, you know, what John was saying was similar to what God said to me in prayer one day this week, that because he's good, he hides good things for us, not from us. But the good things that he hides for me is not a loss to you, and vice versa. So he's not limited. So when, we don't need to feel intimidated or competitive or like we're missing out or that somehow we don't qualify. No, God's got good things for all of us, and he hides things from us, for us, because there's a process of possessing what he has for us that has to do with the right timing. There's sometimes there's something that you, there's certain things that don't need to be yours until the right time, and there's also an enemy who wants to steal what he has for us, so he keeps things hidden. So we're talking about taking things back that have been stolen, lost, abandoned, forfeited, as well as things that we haven't even considered yet. Basically everything that God has intended for us. And we can all pick out things in our lives that the enemy has stolen recently or in current days, but really that whole process of stealing what was ours started way long ago in the garden, and uh, we're, so we're taking it back, and, and I, if you may not know this about our church, but we don't do catchy little themes every year, you know, and so taking it back is not a theme for the year. It's the word that God spoke to us, to this house for this year. And so that gives it a different level of authority and importance, I believe. And it, it makes it easier for me to embrace because it's again, it's it's not a it's not a cute little marketing statement. I remember the first time in my life when I got victory over fear. I was in elementary school. I had a, I, I went to a new school. They made a movie about this, by the way. But I went ended up at a new school and there was this class bully and he picked on me and he picked on me and he picked on me and then one day I found out about this thing called karate and I went and studied karate and taekwondo and then one day my parents were tired of hearing me cry about him picking on me at school and they said son next time he picks a fight you have our permission to finish it and so I did and I I, I tried to get away from him I did I mean I did the whole avert you know walk away and when that wasn't enough for him, I had to turn around and finish it. And I remember, <laughs> it was one of those iconic movie scenes. The whole class was going, Kirk, 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 Kirk. <laughs> there were only two kids shouting his name. I'm not going to say his name because this is on uh Internet. But one of those kids, I had to teach him a lesson in junior high a couple of years later. But those are the only two physical fights that I've ever been in. But But my point in sharing that is, Whether we know how to fight or not, there comes a point where you have to fight. My father-in-law had the same thing happen to him. He got picked on by a bully, and one day his mom locked the door and wouldn't let him in the house. She said, face him. He turned around on that front porch and just walloped on the guy, and and (laughs) he was a different man ever since, right? (laughs) We have a youth group that meets in our house, and there was this neighborhood kid who came around. He was really cocky and, you know, felt like he was a handsome young dude and everybody's gift. And there was another kid who was kind of quiet and awkward and shy, and he kept picking on him. And before I knew it, I mean, this is in my kitchen. I turn around, and, and the awkward kid's got the cool, cocky kid in a headlock. And he's like, stop, stop. And it was a turning point in that young man's life. That kid started coming out of his shell ever since then, and he, like, he, he found a new level of confidence. And I believe that's kind of what God wants us to do. He wants for us as his kids. He wants us to learn how to face the enemy. Now, the good news is the war's already won. We're not facing him in our strength. We're not going and trying to be stronger than he is because our Lord and Savior and big brother has already defeated him, and he's already stronger than him. We're just enforcing the victory that he already won. And I want to talk to you about learning how to fight. I felt... I, I felt God gave me a really simple message with a bunch of examples some from our personal life and out of scripture that some may speak to you and some may not but if you hear one thing today that that's God speaking to you that's all that matters. Sabata last week shared when you were speaking you made one statement that ministered to me and I really don't even remember the rest of your sermon but it was it was at the very beginning when you got up and you and you said you know there's there's no performance here there's no I can't remember how you said it but you just spoke freedom about what ministering is in this house. And it ministered to me all week. I don't know why. And so one word can, can breathe life, new life, into your life. And so just make a decision right now. Do you want to hear what God has to say to you? It's not about me. I'm not the best speaker in the world. I'm not the most organized, most anything. I'm just here, and I love talking about the things that God has shown me. And I believe that he wants to... I felt like the thing that he put on my heart was he wants to teach us how to fight. So when you see someone who's a master at their craft, like an athlete or a martial artist, and you see them performing or competing, what you're observing is hundreds, if not thousands, of lessons on display simultaneously. That's what makes them a master. Think about anybody who knows how to play an instrument incredibly well. Or martial arts is going to be part of my theme today. I love martial arts. I don't practice it anymore. I don't, you know, I'm not dedicated. But when I, when I started taking karate, that's the proper way to say it, um, there were kids that were smaller than me and younger than me that were more advanced than me. And there was this one little girl, she looked uh, about like Charlotte's size. And, and she could do this kick where she could jump up in the air and bring her heel down on someone's collar and, like, break a collarbone. Like, she looked like a little, like, don't mess with her, man, you know. And uh, size does not matter when you know how to fight properly. So masters, people that have mastered something, they have acquired skills by paying attention to instructions and details. And they look for patterns from both their instructor as well as their adversary. If you talk to anybody in boxing or football or any they study their opponents. They they find out what their weaknesses are, what their tendencies. So when they see this, we know to do that. And I want to share some examples that I feel like will help us grow in that God wants us to be masters of knowing how to fight spiritually. Again, a spiritual fight is a good fight. The Bible says fight the good fight of faith. What makes a good fight? Do you think a good fight is when you lose or when you win? That's not a rhetorical question. It's when you win, right? Right. A good fight is one that you win. And again, he's already won the fight for us, so we are just putting into practice. We're effecting or executing what he's already done. But God wants us to know how to win a fight and how to conduct a fight. And he gives us instructions about strategy and skills. Um, So I'm just going to share different thoughts and concepts, and I'm going to weave them together with different verses and illustrations. And so I might come back to several different things, but again, I'm, I'm just painting a picture. I feel like God just gave me some little pictures that will be nuggets that will help you get past fear and knowing how to take your stand how to resist the enemy and watch him flee from you, because that is your inheritance, that is your destiny. We're not we're not destined to to call on some person or some organization or to always be dependent upon someone or something else. We he's enough. And so even if you don't, if your cell phone is dead and you're in a dark place or in a dangerous place, you've got an open line to heaven, and that, and he wants us. To have confidence in that. So one strategy of a skilled fighter. If you notice, in the, in the 80s and 90s, they made all of our superheroes and our heroes were, were solo artists. There was Rocky and there was Rambo. I'm not using movies to preach, but I'm just... There was Schwarzenegger. There were all these different, you know, one-man bands, so to speak. Now, you look at the hero movies of today. What are they? They're teams of people. The Avengers. They're fighting together. Not one of them is sufficient on their own, but they work together. That's what church is. That's why this is important. You can't do, you can't go it alone. You can't be, achieve all the victory that God has for you on your own. There will be a blind spot in your life, in your path, that someone else will see. God will send a message to you through someone else that you don't even know that you need. But if you bought into that lie that I don't have to go to church to go to heaven, You're not going to be around that believer who's carrying that mail for you and you're going to prevent them from even being able to give you the blessing and deliver that message. So, strategy. A a competitor knows how to think and doesn't just rely on strength. So God gave me this example with with one of the first things you learn in, in martial arts is how to have a proper stance and how to keep your balance. Because... If you are leaning too forward or too far back, your enemy can take advantage of that and sweep you off your feet really easily. One of the next things they teach you is how to throw a punch. If you rely on your strength to throw a punch and you are not trained, it's very easy for a trained competitor to take advantage of you because when you overextend, they just step out of the way and use your own momentum against you and just pull you right on through. The enemy knows that. So it's his strength, not ours, but it's his wisdom put into practice through us. And he wants us to be skilled. He wants to put on display his glory to the enemy, while we're sitting there just with not even breaking a sweat, just saying, "Okay, God, yes, sir, I do that." Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 not it's not based on our strength or our ability. So, paying attention to instructions and details, clues, examples. How do you know when you have a splinter? Think about when you've had a splinter. Do you see it first or do you feel it first? You feel it. So I call that a tink in the spirit. Whenever something touches your heart emotionally, whenever you feel something, whether it's a com- or you're in a conversation with somebody or you're in a situation or um, you hear a word or a message, if you feel a, ah, oh, that's God speaking to you, saying that's for you. There are things that excite me that would bore you guys to tears. I love getting excited about corrosion and surface technologies and and metallurgy and chemistry and and what makes you know corrosion happen and not. And y'all would look at me and just go like, mm, "This guy's weird." Next to the kingdom and Jesus, that's my favorite subject to talk about. But when something, when you hear something that makes you kind of go, oh, that is a that is. A sound in your soul that sounds like a tink. Like when you're digging, when you stick a shovel in the ground and there's something hard, you hear a tink. When something, when you feel that, mm, just like when you feel a splinter, that's an indication that there's something there. That either you're called to take down or that you need to be healed or delivered from. But either way, it's a, it's a something that is not yet under the jurisdiction of the kingdom that God wants you to have victory over. Master artists look for patterns from both their instructors and their adversaries. And what I want to, um, I'm going to share some examples from Scripture, from my journey, from me and Angie's journey, some recent things that have happened. And Where I'm going with this is I want to leave you, my hope is to leave you with some new skills and that you would have a mindset that you would walk out of here. You know, like if you meet anybody who's an expert in their field, it could be NASCAR. I got to go to a a, a Grand Prix track last week and it looks boring on TV, but when you're there and you're near those cars and you feel the sound, it is an incredible experience. And when you talk to somebody who knows about all the science about, do you know how long it takes them to swap out the tires when they come into the pit, when they're going around the track? It's less than three seconds. Anything more than three seconds? Four tires off and on and tight and ready to go in three seconds. And there's a crew of about 12 different people that are all working in concert. As soon as that car runs in, they all, it's like, woof, woof, that's it. I mean, it literally sounds just about like that. That was one second, so put two more seconds on there. <laughs> um... But even those people, when they get together, even though they're experts, they're always learning from one another. What, another thing I learned about this race car industry is that what you see on the track is not in production anywhere. It's all prototype technology. It's all, there's nothing in there that you could buy on the street. As a, the, all these racing teams are owned by Ferrari, Mercedes, all these big companies. They're using those races to develop new technologies that they can then take to market. So they're learning from one another. So it doesn't matter how skilled you think you are or how skilled you don't think you are. We've all got something to learn. And we all need each other and we can all work together. It's important to pay attention to details. Details in when someone else is speaking. Details in scripture. Details in your own journey, in your own life. Again, when you're going through life and something happens and you feel like, don't just... Blaze past that or ignore it. Start asking, okay, God, what is that? Is that something in me that needs to come out? Is that something I'm? Is that a stronghold? Is that is that a wrong way of thinking that I've adopted or agreed with without knowing it? Is that someone I need to be praying for? Is that? A, is that a, a stronghold of the enemy that you want to expose and you're warning me not to go that direction? It doesn't matter what it is, but it always starts very similar with a and. A wise person will pay attention to that and learn. Start. So once you identify a clue, then you start looking for patterns. Do you see it repeatedly? We had a, an experience two weeks ago. I had a business conference in, in San Antonio, and so the girls got to go with me for the first time in a while. We normally like to travel together because of the way we work and do homeschool. We are able to do that. And the first day, it was just tension and there were little things going on. The enemy was—it um, had to do with finances, and it seemed like every time we were getting close to a breakthrough, little things would come and steal and just drain, like pulling the plug out of the bathtub. It was so discouraging and irritating that we kind of—I was kind of snippy going to bed Monday night, and Tuesday morning the girls were just ready to go home. I was like, "Let's just—I don't even want to be here anymore." And so Angie and I got up at 5.30 and we went in the bathroom and we sat on the floor because we're all sharing one bedroom. And that was, we closed the door and we just, we sat down and we we started praying. And I didn't feel like praying. I didn't feel like, oh, I mean, I was really more praying out of annoyance and just like, (laughs) and as we sat there praying, I just, after about a minute or two, I heard the word chokehold. And I just felt like God was saying there's a chokehold. And when I said it, it, it registered with Angie's like, oh, yes, that, I feel that. I feel that. And over the, a week later, she was at home and she was praying and the Lord showed her something. She had a wrong, um, just a little place that she was off in her heart about the way that she was thinking about money and being frugal. And God actually spoke to her through Lena's testimony that Lena shared about how God convicted her of something. And and the only reason I'm bringing that up is to pay attention to details. When you hear someone's testimony, don't just take it as their story. If it's something that God did in their life, take it as a piece of information from heaven and, and be listening for whether or not he's going to breathe life on it for you. Well, anyway, that was just a small piece of it, but God breathed on that and what started in that hotel bathroom, and Angie started sobbing. She was just The girls didn't even know. She put her head in her robe, and she was just weeping and sobbing. And God was breaking some stuff off and out of her. And then that very day, we got notice of several different things that we had been praying and contending and waiting for. Breakthrough started happening on some finances. Last night, one of our daughters, it's good that they're not here today. So I can talk about them a little bit. I'm not going to use their names, but one of them, it involves both of them. But one of them was having a little bit of an off attitude because she didn't want to watch the movie that we picked. And the other one is normally the one that has the bad attitude about the other <laughs> movie that the other rest of us picked. And, and so we're about towards the end of the movie, I could just see this attitude festering in, in child A. And <laughs> I said, wait a minute, just stop that's not you, that's not us, we're not going down this path, no, what's going on, and we sat there, and we talked, I didn't just like discipline and say, you're not going to do that, and I'm going to discipline you if you do, we sat there, and we said, no, that's not, we called her up to a higher level, and we talked it out, and we talked it out, and what it ended up being was a little bit of deliverance, it was a, it was a taking some spiritual authority, and just to make a long story short, God showed us what to say to her that she needed to hear. He gave us insight in something that the enemy was trying to do. And then instead of just going, okay, now, then we prayed. And we laid hands on both of them and we spoke over them and we called things out and called things into them. And we declared what was true about them and what was not true. And then we prayed for friends that things were trying to come in through. And we just, and it was all, it was maybe 10 or 15 minutes. And after we got done, it was like, girls, that's kingdom business right there that's that's what kingdom authority that's what that's what a spiritual fight looks like that's that's a that's like an airstrike into an enemy zone that's and it was just like we just conducted kingdom business we just established things and tore down things that didn't need to be established right then that's what it looks like and then we watched the last 10 minutes of the movie and and we've been teaching the girls we we're we make decisions about what we do and don't watch but you can't avoid everything that's out there. And so when things are not going to be, you know, kindergarten level, we watch things together. I'm, they're beyond kindergarten level. But the point is we watch things together and we talk about it. And we don't just let the video go without addressing it. And when something's really bad, we stop and we fast forward. And we, and, and then when we, when we see something that's not right, we, we don't just sit there and say, oh, that's bad. We, we talk about, okay, now why do we not agree with that? What, is, what does Scripture say? Why is it dangerous to, after we watch this particular movie, I don't think we should watch it again. We can say that we watched it, but we don't endorse other people watching because it's really not something that's going to be helpful or benefit. All of those are examples of how to, how to fight spiritually. We're establishing things that heaven wants, and we're tearing down and uprooting things that hell wants. And I get, that it's not in our education, or ability. So this, again, this message is for everybody, no matter what level you're at, whether you feel like you're a novice and you're just getting into karate class, or if you feel like you're a ninja and you can take on the whole world. <laughs> We've all got things to learn. You know, funny story about karate. I, I, I took that, I, I started taking lessons, and I was, I was serious about it for several years. Karate, thank you. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. And about two years, uh, about a year and a half, two years into it is when I stood up to that bully. And then about the following year, I was, I mean, I was like, I had stepped away from fear in a big way. I was feeling really confident. And we were having one of those safety meetings where the police officers come to the school and they were talking about stranger danger and what to do if you're in a bad situation. And so the police officer said, well, what would you do if somebody came up to you and grabbed you or something? And I said, oh, I, I know what I would do. I take karate, so I would know what to do. He's like, okay, thanks. (laughs) Well, about two years later, about two years later, me and a friend go to get on a city bus for the first time, and we end up getting on the wrong bus, and we end up in the wrong part of town, and we got further and further away, and we were scared, and we didn't know when to get off. And so we ended up on the backside of the city of Houston, and we walked like 10 or 12 miles home, And while we're walking through downtown, our parents have no idea where we are. There's no pagers or cell phones or GPS back then. Um, This guy comes up to me out of the blue and he goes, hey, man, how come you're not wearing a belt? And and he asked me a question to confuse me and and startle me. And then all of a sudden he pulled out a belt and he basically robbed me. He stole my skateboard and he threatened to beat me up. And so here's me. I've been taking karate for five years and I know how to handle myself. I took down the class bully, but I, I wasn't ready for a guy on the street, you know? And Peter did the same thing. Peter was walking with Jesus. He had a lot of experience. And then when it came down to it, he said, oh, I'm never. I'm going to be there with you. And then what did he do that very night? Three times he denied Christ. The good news is Jesus restored him. He knew it was going to happen. He'd already prayed for him. But the point is, no matter, again, where you are on your, on your journey, whether you feel like you're just starting or you feel like you're a super warrior, you, you're not a solo act. You're not called to go it alone. You can learn from other people. God's always got something new for us. And God's st- strategy is always changing because he doesn't want to create patterns for the enemy to follow. The pattern the enemy's not creative. All he can do is mimic and, and mock. And so, again, we're going back to those tinks. That's one of the ways that you start to understand when there is a pattern or a stronghold because as you go past a certain place in your life or through a certain situation, you feel that same, "Mm." whenever I get around that certain person or that situation, "Mm." and if you just walk past it and you ignore it, you're walking unwisely. It doesn't mean you have to walk in fear. It doesn't mean get freaked out. It doesn't mean, until you hear the Lord say, stop doing something, it doesn't necessarily mean stop doing, it just means be aware, start listening, perk your ears up. Building your arsenal. Our weapon, our predominant primary weapon as believers is what? It's the word of God, the sword of the spirit. We don't rely, again, on our strength or our abilities. God can use a three-year-old child to deliver a word to somebody. He can use um, one of my favorite Bill Johnson stories. I don't know why I'm sharing this, but it just... One of the first ones that I heard him share when I I got to see him in person and hear this directly, but he said there was a little petite woman in their church who was at Walmart. She was checking out. And a big man came up and kidnapped a baby from another family like right next to her. And this little petite woman steps out of her aisle and she goes, hey you, put the baby down now. And this big old bad actor. I don't know, you know, if he was a gangster or what, turns around and looks at her in fear, puts the child down and runs. So you don't have to be big or anything to do great things for God. You just got to say yes to God and be willing to be used by God in any situation and take that authority with you. So a good warrior, a good artist knows what their weapons are and they know how to use them. You ever heard the expression, the pen is mightier than the sword? This was my dad's uh, one. He got two of these ceremonial swords when he was in Vietnam. And he shared a really cool story with me that, that uh, I felt was applicable. But if you if you take someone who knows how to use this, they can be extremely deadly. If you give this to someone who doesn't know how to use it, they can be extremely dangerous. But just as this is a weapon and the word is a weapon, this can be a weapon. I was in high school, I had one other bully experience in high school where this, I was a freshman, I had a skater look to me, grow my hair out, and this upperclassman was a big muscular jock, and he didn't like me looking at him or something I did. And, and so he started threatening me, and I was like, oh man, this guy's serious. All I had was a pin. I was like, well, he better make sure I don't get up because I'm going to stick this. <laughs> where it counts and if you ask someone who knows Krav Maga or martial arts anything can become a weapon if you know how to use it right so a testimony can be a weapon a word of encouragement can be a weapon a hug a handshake any act of obedience can become a weapon and our predominant weapon again is scripture and so I want to I just want to give you a couple of scriptural strategies, weapons if you will, that I think will help you to start practicing. When you see a scripture or promise that speaks to you or that you know is a promise you made it, you it should speak to you and you don't know what it's saying, and get a journal and just write out that verse at the top. And then write underneath it, what is this saying? And write answer your own question in your own words. And then underneath that, say, what is this not saying? And again, write it out in your own words. It's not about quoting. It's about understanding. It's about digging. And if there's key words in there that you don't know what they mean, write those out and ask God to start speaking to you. We were, when we were over in San Antonio, God gave me this nugget. My dad told me this story when he was in Vietnam, they were on patrol one day. And what, and what it was, was I'd ask God about, I love to find examples and illustrations that help convey concepts. And so I was asking God, I was like, God, what, how could animal kingdom be used to help explain the kingdom of God? Because Matthew 6.33, one of my favorite verses, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, And all these things will be added to you. And all these things are the things that the world worries about. All the things that we're taking back. And so I'd I'd, I'd been asking the Lord for an example with the animal kingdom. And he reminded me of this story that my dad told one day. One day they were on patrol in Vietnam, and they had a patrol dog with them. And all of a sudden, the patrol dog, who was alerted to be able to see traps, he Put his body in front of the person in front. I can't remember if it was my dad or the patrol if my dad was a patrol leader or not. But anyways, this dog picked up on something that the humans couldn't see. He put his body in front of them and stopped them and saved their lives. So God reminded me, this what I'm sharing with you is not just to share a story, but I'm I'm, 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 I'm helping you see how God puts tools and brings you skills so that you can stand and fight the enemy. Seek first the animal kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. The, the soldiers didn't want to die. So by seeking first to understand how the animal, letting the animal, benefiting from the animal kingdom way of doing things, the animal kingdom's abilities, it was a small thing, but I was like, oh my gosh, that's what seek first the kingdom of God is like. We're not, we're not depending on our own limited senses and abilities. We're, we're learning to cooperate and collaborate with people God's way of doing things he's got skills and abilities and resources in a in a totally different kingdom that we can't even see and so another um one of my one of my favorite verses to do that exercise that I told you about is what is it saying what is it not saying is Genesis 1 and it's where God says let us create man in our image and let them have dominion and so what is that saying wow My way of paraphrasing is God is giving me, given us, dominion, stewardship, responsibility to take care of and manage and represent him to his creation over everything he's created. What is he not saying in that verse? Well, he doesn't say that I have dominion over anybody else. So what do I do with that? How do I fight with that? What is that supposed to mean? Okay, well, let's let's unpack it just a little bit if I'm not given dominion over anybody else. That helps me understand why I don't like it when someone tries to take dominion over me. And when I find myself in that place of being manipulated or taken advantage of by someone who's not in that right mindset, it helps me stand strong in my faith and go, okay, this isn't right. It's going to come to an end. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. I'm going to seek justice from heaven. I'm going to ask God to help me. On the other hand, it helps me see that when I'm in a situation where I'm tempted to take dominion or to misuse someone else for my own benefit, it helps me say, no, that's not God's will. There'll be another way that I'll work this out. The, you can do that with any scripture. Um, John did and an brought out a point that I'd never seen before in, in one of his previous messages about Elijah and Elisha. Elijah was first, but Elisha was the one who did the double portion. But it wasn't Elisha that was on the mountain that transfigured with Jesus. It was Elijah. And it wasn't the spirit of Elisha that would come before Jesus. It was the spirit. And so even though Elisha had the double portion ministry, Elijah never lost his place. That's a picture. That in and of itself, the two Elishas is a picture of the double portion. How so? Well, for me, I can receive from people in my life and I can feel comfortable that God's going to do even more through me because I'm the recipient of what they've poured into me. And the people that I pour into, they're going to do greater things than me. I want my kids to do greater things than me. But you know what? I'm not going to lose my place. I'm not going to be forgotten in who I am. So every time you see any kind of pattern, whether it be in scripture Or in your personal life, start paying attention to the clues. And start listening for the details. And start listening for, okay, what is the scriptural aspect, illustration, truth? How does this work? What am I supposed to do with it? And don't think that it's for somebody else. If you're being made aware of it, 99 times out of 100, it's because it's being given to you as an assignment. If something bothers you, then more often than not, you're called to do something about that thing. If something bothers you because um, you just get annoyed at people, well, then you've got to check. I mean, sometimes some things annoy you just because there's something that God wants to change and convict in you. Like our daughters, sometimes they get annoyed at each other making noise when they chew or something. And we're like, you just got mad about the same thing yesterday as you're getting mad about today, you know? Um, But... Oftentimes, when anything touches your soul, when anything gets that, mm, whether it's a or a, mm, that is a, is a clue that there's something there for you that God wants you to take authority over. Let's see. Final thoughts. There's a right way and a wrong way. To divide the word of God. And the reason why we know that is because we're specifically encouraged and exhorted in Scripture to rightly divide the word. Okay, so what is that saying? It says that there's a right way to understand and interpret and imply the Word of God, putting in my own words. What is it not saying? There's a wrong way to interpret and apply the Word of God. And to be wise and not make that mistake, I need to submit myself first to the— I need to be aware of that. Mm. Okay, now I need to submit myself in humility. God, teach me, help me to rightly divide. One of my favorite people in Scripture, Mary— And if you remember Lena's favorite passage was from her sermon last week or week before last. Whatever Jesus says, do it. That's kind of the theme of Mary's life. She she was saying that at the wedding when they ran out of wine. And she told the servants to do whatever Jesus tells you to do. But 30 some odd years before that, she had a similar experience where she was willing to do whatever God said to do. When the angel came to her. And said, you're going to bear a son. And she said, let it be unto me according to thy word. And the word became flesh. When we say yes to what he's saying, the word became flesh. Say, so let's look at Mary. One wrong way to divide the word of God when you look at someone's life is to go over elevate them. Oh, I can't be like them. Those people in the Bible, they were special. I'm just a Nothing. <laughs> You can over elevate and underestimate your role. That's not the right way to rightly divide the word of God. When you see someone in Scripture, they're just like you. They were just someone that said yes. And so when you see someone in Scripture, learn from their life. Don't over elevate them and don't underestimate yourself. Don't, don't, Elisha, you can learn from Elisha's life and you can believe for the double portion in your life. And Elijah, just like I talked about a moment ago. But okay, going back to Mary, do what Mary did. Have the same heart that she did. If anything he says to me, I'm going to do it. That can become a prayer right there. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what I see in Mary's life. I want to be like Mary. I'm not elevating her. She's not deity. She's just a human that said yes to you. But God, whether it's at a party, in a situation where something looks impossible, or in a social Norm, for a young girl to become pregnant without being married, how's that going to work? And I don't care what the circumstance, I want to be bold enough and brave enough to say yes to you. That's rightly dividing the Word of God. It's wrong to not see yourself in Scripture and how it applies to you. And I guess the last thing that I wanted to share was use, You've got. we've got tools all around us. The sermons that we here in this church can become tools that you can use. I went to Austin uh, a couple of weeks ago, and one of my co-workers happened to ride with me because he didn't have anything to do. And I put in Lena's sermon on healing is here. And then I put in John's sermon on change the filter. And I've, I'm just driving down the road. I'm like, you're in my car. And he's already kind of open, but he's also got some denominational um, Influences and he and we talk about this a lot. He wants to be open to all that God has for him. So I'm just driving and I'm listening and I'm not looking. I don't. I'm hoping he's having a good reaction, but I don't want to know if he's having a bad reaction, you know. And and um, at at one point I look over and he's just got his hands open. He's like, oh, "Yes, God." He's like, "I need to copy of this. I'm going to send this out to all my friends." And when I so I just wanted to say all of these different illustrations point to the same thing, that God wants us to be like that master martial artist or competitor that we see on the field. It doesn't matter what your background is or what you think you do or don't have. If you'll just say yes, and you'll be willing to be trained, you can be like the little girl who can take down a giant in a martial arts scenario, or you can be like the little woman not to be, <laughs> at, a, at a Walmart who can take down a thug who's trying to steal someone's life. It doesn't matter. We all have the same opportunity. And there's no lack. There is no limitations. God's not going to give, again, I'm going back to what I said at the beginning. The good that he has for me is not going to take away from the good that he has for you. So we have every reason to get excited about taking back what God has for us. And what really encouraged, what I think well, the reason why I liked martial arts so much was learning that there is a, there's a path. There's a path forward there's a there's a knowledge base. you can learn the basics. you can start with do this, do this. you know you you go from these little baby basic exercises to dynamic, reactive, responsive movement in any kind of situation. Same thing with being a musician. you know, I can play piano a little bit, but other people like Julia and court can play instruments like I can't, and they can flow and go. But we can all enter into this dynamic standing up to the enemy, standing our ground, walking away from fear, speaking to those areas of our life where the little, little foxes have stolen or little elements of fear have tried to bend. And when we simply say yes to God, if we, when we live like that, breakthrough comes. Life comes. And that's what God has. So would you all stand? If you have need of anything today, I just believe that God is doing something And we are, he's doing something because of the word that he's speaking. And then also just for the the message that we've been hearing in in worship today. Father, I get excited when I hear and sing songs about the resurrection because I've got a four-year-old girl waiting for me that I want to see. And I'm so thankful that you defeated death. I'm so thankful that you rose again. I'm so thankful that you, because you live, I can face tomorrow. I'm so thankful that because of what you've done, we have a hope and we have a future. God, thank you for your word. thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you for this house. Thank you for the way that you minister to us. Thank you for breaking off old mindsets. Thank you that you have an estate and inheritance for us that we can receive now because you already died. We're not waiting to die to receive it. Lord, whatever areas are in our, whatever areas are in your life right now, just lift your hand and, and just say, God. I give this to you. I call fill-in-the-blank yours. I declare that I may not know exactly what's going on, but I'm going to have victory. I will have victory in this area. Father, whether it's healing, deliverance, wisdom, freedom, breakthrough in business, breakthrough in relationships, God, emotional healing, whatever it is, we speak life over our lives right now. We call forth the purpose and the plans of heaven in our lives. We say that we will have what you want us to have. When we mess up and fall short, we will run to you and receive your forgiveness. You put the robe of righteousness on us without even making us take a bath, just like the father with the prodigal son. You love us. You are for us and not against us. And you get glory when we stand up to the enemy and say, no, not on my watch, not in my jurisdiction. That's not allowed here. God's will will be done here in Jesus' name. Father, we look forward, we anticipate your goodness in the land of the living. We thank you for the new building and buildings. And we thank you that if part of that journey is here for a time, that money's coming in. We call it done in Jesus' name. We thank you for the new sound system, Father. We thank you for all debts paid off, Father. We thank you for increase in new business ideas and the inheritance that you have for us. Thank you for freedom in our giving, Father. Thank you that we move from testing to trusting God. Thank you that we, Father, when we sleep, when we wake up, we are not striving. Father, Adam lost the ability to tend, and he went to toiling and tilling. But you, Father, have given us back the garden, and that one day it will be here physically. But until then, Father, we are seated in heavenly places at your right hand, and the enemy is under our feet. So, God, thank you for teaching us how to grow as warriors and how to rightly divide the word of God, and how to speak to circumstances, how to stand on the word, how to fight like your children, God, not in our strength, but in yours, and how to walk out the victory that is ours. We love you. We bless everybody in this room in the sound of our voice. And Father, we submit ourselves to you. Help us to know what you're saying every time there's a tink, an oomph, a leading, a conviction, and inspiration. God, bring your revelation. We live by every word that proceeds actively from your mouth. We're not in love with a book. We're in love with you. And your book is alive because you speak to it and through it and to us, and you're alive. We love you, God. Let it be done unto us according to your word, and let us rightly divide the word of God and wield the sword of the Spirit with excellence, Father and with effectiveness, and with your authority and your anointing. Have your way in us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.